My name is John Lorden, and I've been looking into hundreds of unsolved mysteries over the past five years on my YouTube channel, Lorden Arts. And I've been known to bring a respectful, victim-focused approach to the stories that I cover while donating thousands of dollars directly to those cases and the charities that help them. Now, I'm bringing that approach and sensibility, along with some of the biggest mysteries I've ever looked into and some new ones, to a weekly podcast called Seriously Mysterious. From bizarre occurrences to unsolved murders and unexplainable disappearances, everything is fair game on this show as long as it's seriously mysterious. You can find Seriously Mysterious on your favorite podcatchers or by visiting seriouslymysterious.com. Let's look into the mysterious together. This week's case is disturbing. I know most that what we do here are, but this one in particular stands out to me. So I will say listener discretion is advised. Deja was a nine-month-old baby that faced difficulties from the start. Born two months premature to parents who were in an abusive relationship. And then one day in June 2009, 911 would receive a phone call from her mother reporting an alleged attempted sexual assault and kidnapping. What police would discover is Deja was killed by one of the people who should have protected her, her father. This is Deja's story. Right now, we're, we're strictly searching for baby Deja. For these fire and police divers, it's a catch-22. They're looking for something they hope to not find. After the mother of eight-month-old Deja Weaver told police she and the girl's father threw the baby off of this bridge, the only hope now for Deja that her mother isn't telling the truth. She lied to us already once, and, you know, what's to say she's not making this story up as well? We have to still hope for the best and hope the child is alive somewhere. However, we do fear for the worst, and, and that's why we're searching the lake. One week ago, Tamara Cray called police saying she had been attacked. She stated that an unknown intruder had entered her apartment through an unlocked door and attempted to first sexually assault her. And when she was able to thin this intruder off, he grabbed the baby and ran out of the apartment. Uh, from the get-go, we had our suspicions. Now both parents have been arrested, accused of tampering with evidence in the case, and investigators spend their second day combing the murky water. If, you know, we find her at the lake, it's, it's not going to turn out good for anyone, and additional charges are going to be filed against the parents. Rich Matthews, The Associated Press, Louisville, Texas. Deja Marie Weaver was born September 10, 2008, to parents 19-year-old Tamara Cray and 20-year-old Alandus Weaver. Deja was born premature, two months earlier than her December 5th due date. Those who know or are who have had premature children themselves know there may be problems that come with a premature birth. And as a result, Deja would be diagnosed with some undisclosed medical conditions. Now, unfortunately, not much is known about Deja and what kind of baby she was. Did she love to fall asleep in her mother's arms? Did she calm to a particular lullaby? Did she giggle at her father making funny faces to her? We don't know. 
and we don't even see a progression of Deja growing up into a little person over her two short nine months of life. A first child usually means dozens of photos taken every day by their parents and grandparents, proud and excited to show off the daily changes and personality developments. But in Deja's case, no photos exist of her after her first few weeks of life, making it difficult for police during the early days of the missing persons investigation. But we will get to that later. June 2009, Tamara is again pregnant, six months by this stage, so it is decided that a larger apartment is needed to suit the quickly growing family. The young family secure a two-bedroom, first-floor apartment at the Oak Run Apartment Complex on the 5800 block of Preston Oaks Road in North Dallas, Texas. The couple choosing to move gradually during the nights after work back and forth the seven miles between the two apartments. June 10, 2009, 11.40pm. 911 dispatchers receive a panicked phone call from an hysterical Tamara. She was reporting an attempted sexual assault against her from an unknown masked black or Hispanic man wearing a red and black hoodie. No further description was given and that her nine-month-old daughter had been kidnapped. According to Tamara, Weaver had left her to go retrieve more moving boxes from the old apartment, leaving the front door open. Tamara stayed behind to unpack, whilst Deja slept in her car baby seat on the floor. Tamara went to use the bathroom, and when she came back out, she was met with an unknown masked man. He attacked her, punching her in her face and then attempted to pull her pants down, but she resisted and fought back. The masked man ultimately gave up and instead turned his focus on the sleeping baby. He grabbed Adasia from her car baby seat and jumped from the balcony window into the night. Now, the police obviously took this report seriously and would attend the apartment immediately to take official statements and to look for evidence of the whereabouts of the masked men and the missing baby. Making it difficult was that Tamara was unable to give a description of the men, just that he was black, before then saying that maybe he was Hispanic, that he was wearing a mask and wearing a black and red hoodie. Not long after the police arrived, Weaver returned home. The police would later state in their report there was immediate tension between the couple. With the timeline of Weaver leaving and what they were doing prior to this being inconsistent and the lack of description of the attacker, this left the police suspicious of the couple. Police acted on this suspicion and requested to search the home, which Tamara agreed but this only seemed to aggravate Weaver more, and police would later report overhearing Weaver tell Tamara that she should have never allowed this to happen without a warrant, speaking to her in a, quote, very threatening manner, unquote. Unfortunately, what police would find during this search concerned them for the safety of Deja, 
and several key pieces of evidence were taken for forensic testing, including a red bath towel, a stained baby onesie from the kitchen pantry trash, a fitted sheet from the main bedroom with red stains, a crib frame and mattress, the car baby seat that Deja was last seen in, a baby blanket and pink baby bath towel. Blood was found on most of these items and police sadly suspected the blood belonged to Deja. Due to her injuries, Tamara would be taken to the Medical City Hospital and Weaver would be asked for a photo for the Amber Alert. However, he didn't have any. The only photos he had were from when Deja was only a few days old. He said that they didn't take any after this. Now, unfortunately, due to the changing stories, Tamara was unable to be interviewed further whilst she was in hospital, and with no accompanying photo, all these factors would delay the Amber Alert being issued for 12 hours. The Amber Alert not being issued until midday the next day, June 11, 2009. The lead investigator, Officer Kevin Jantz, said at the time, quote, It's been a long drawn investigation and interviews, and we feel right now is the time we need to start bringing the public into it. Unquote. Police knew that time was a factor here if there was any chance to find Deja alive. Unfortunately, what they would soon learn, Deja may have been dead for days before Tamara called 911. It wouldn't be until June 14th that police would finally interview Tamara again, this time separate from Weaver, and it didn't take long for her to break and tell the police another version of what happened to her daughter. June 8th, 2009. Tamara was working whilst Weaver cared for Deja at home, and this was a usual arrangement. Weaver was not employed, and he was the primary carer of the baby. And because the couple only had one car, Weaver would drop Tamara off at work and pick her up so he would have the car during the day to run chores. On this night, though, Weaver would pick Tamara up after work at around 9pm, However, Deja was not in the back seat as she normally would be. Obviously concerned where her daughter was, Tamara would immediately question this, but Weaver told her not to worry, that Deja was fine. He had given her a bath and she had fallen asleep, and he didn't want to stir her as she'd been unsettled all day. Now, this was unusual, but Tamara tried to dispel her fears for the rest of the trip home. However, when they returned, everything was not fine. Tamara would later claim she would find Deja lying on the floor, wrapped in a towel. She was cold to touch and not breathing. She did not have a heartbeat. Deja was covered in bruises on her eyes, cheeks, stomach and back. Tamara would allege she attempted CPR for 30 minutes to try and resuscitate Deja although this has been called into question by experts. CPR is very tiring, and 30 minutes is a long time to sustain and almost impossible. But regardless if or how long, Tamara would attempt to revive her daughter, but it was too late. Deja Marie Weaver was dead at only nine months old. 
At this point, Weaver became loud and violent. He would refuse to tell Tamara what happened, and instead he demanded that Tamara not contact the police and instead stick to his fabricated story. That someone broke into the home and assaulted her and abducted the baby. He proceeded to punch Tamara several times in the face to make their kidnapper story more believable. Now, Tamara's and Weaver's relationship had been marred with violence, and given she was six months pregnant, she was scared to not do what he said, because if he could kill Deja without remorse, she was scared what he could do to her and their unborn baby. Weaver would then allegedly pick Deja's body up, still wrapped in the towel, and put her in the back seat of the car. With the baby car seat turned over the top of her, so if anyone happened to look into the car, they wouldn't see her. Tamara claimed the next morning she went to work as normal, with Weaver dropping her off and picking her up. All the while, Deja's body remained in the back seat. It would be what happened after Tamara finished work that would shock even the most seasoned investigator. Tamara would allege Weaver picked her up at 9pm at the end of her shift, they would stop at a construction site to steal some sandbags. Weaver would then tie these to Deja's tiny legs to weigh her 22-pound body down. He would then drive them to the Lake Louisville Bridge, where he stopped the car and tossed Deja's body over the railings and into the cold water below. They would then drive home, before waiting another 24 hours before putting the fake assault and abduction story into action. Police would keep the Amber Alert current, with the hope they could still locate Deja alive, especially with Weaver's family being very vocal with the belief Deja was being hidden away by Tamara's family. Weaver's uncle, Ryan Oliver, was their spokesperson, saying, quote, Tamara's been lying from day one, so why start believing her now? I think she has something to do with it, and she let her family know, but they're not telling us. They're trying to get her out of trouble, unquote. Police were determined, if Tamara was lying to them again, that they would find Deja. They would search the area using specialised train dogs and helicopters, they prevented a trash pickup so their search dogs could sniff dumpsters looking for evidence. Lead investigator Officer Kevin Jantz said, quote, We're utilising every resource we have. We're desperately trying to locate this child. Unquote. But they also accepted that they were fighting a losing battle, and they did extensively search Lake Louisville using search boats, expert divers, and sonar equipment. And this lake is huge. It's over 29,000 acres wide and 60 feet deep, with a lot of boat traffic. The issue with this is that it makes the lake water very murky and dark with a lot of discarded rubbish. This made any search close to impossible. But in their extensive searches, they could not find any evidence to support Tamara's story. Nothing to support Deja being there could be found. The only evidence that was ever found, besides the bloody items found in the apartment, 
was cadaver dogs detecting Deja's remains in the back seat of Weaver's car. Despite Deja's body never being found, on June 15, 2009, Weaver would be arrested and charged with tampering with physical evidence. A few days later, Tamara would also be arrested on the same charge. The pair would be held without bail. The search for Deja would officially be called off on June 18th, with the charges being dropped against her mother, Tamara Cray, on the same day. June 2nd, 2009, would have Weaver tell another version of events to police. Weaver would now claim Deja accidentally drowned whilst he was bathing her in the kitchen sink. He was repeatedly pouring water over her head to wash the soap out of her hair when she started choking on the water. Quote, it probably could have been me who drowned her. Unquote. As for the rest of Tamara's story, Weaver admitted that this was correct, that he was the one responsible for throwing his daughter's body off the bridge and into Lake Louisville below. So because of this statement, Allendis Weaver's charges would be upgraded to capital murder, and given the crime occurred in Texas, any capital murder charge may result in the death penalty. Spring 2010, the case goes to trial in Denton County, and the capital murder charge is reduced to felony murder, meaning the death penalty is now off the table. And what this does, it gives the jury the option of finding Weaver guilty of murder under a wide range of circumstances, including if he was criminally negligent for caring for his child. In my opinion, I suspect this was because police were unable to find Deja's body, or really any evidence he deliberately caused her death. Prosecutors were more likely to prove beyond a benefit of the doubt under the felony murder charge than capital murder, where they risked Weaver walking free without any consequences for his actions. Another reason for the change in charges was that Weaver changed his story for a third time. Weaver was now claiming he had no part in the death of his daughter, that instead he came home from moving boxes between apartments to find that Tamara had lost her patience with the infant and had suffocated her to muffle her cries, that Tamara did not want them to report the death to authorities because she did not want to go to jail and lose their unborn baby. So then the plan was concocted to report Deja being abducted and then to throw her body into Lake Louisville. But then Tamara did not want to wait, and instead disposed of the small body in the creek behind the apartment. For the record, I couldn't find any news articles that stated that this creek was ever searched. However, the area was extensively searched at the time Deja was reported missing. So I am going to assume it was then, if not when Weaver changed his story to the latest version. In their closing arguments, the prosecution called the change in Weaver's testimony and the defence's other efforts to discredit Tamara a quote-unquote red herring to divert the jury's attention away from Weaver. Regardless, the jury did not believe him anyway, and on April 13, 2010, 
after deliberating for more than five hours. Allendus Weaver was found guilty of felony murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. For her part, Tamara Cray has never faced any charges for the disappearance and murder of her daughter, Deja Weaver. She continues to live in the Dallas area with her second daughter. Deja's remains, they have never been found. Deja Weaver was nine months old at the time of her disappearance. She was two foot and 22 pounds. Deja is African-American with brown hair and brown eyes. She was born two months premature, and she did suffer undisclosed medical problems as a result of this. Deja was last seen wearing a purple shirt and a diaper. She is considered murdered at the hands of her father, but her final resting place remains unknown. If you have any information regarding the location of the remains of Deja Weaver please contact the Dallas Police Department on 214-744-4444. If you have your own thoughts on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss any episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. We are now on Patreon, so if you are able, please become a patron for as little as $2 a month for early release ad-free episodes, and starting this month, exclusive Patreon episodes. This week's episode was researched, written, hosted, and producted by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Music.